Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child using the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. Happy Pentecost, friends. This past Sunday, we celebrated this beautiful feast of Pentecost, the birthday of our church, the beginning of the apostles going out and spreading the good news to all nations. We would like to use this opportunity of celebrating this feast to lift up one part of the gospel where the apostles are speaking in many languages in order to spread this good news. We hear in Acts chapter 2, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. So how does this verse, how does this apply to us in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd and to us who work with children? Lourdes Santiago Vasquez joins us today to speak about how we can minister to the child of many languages. For all of our Spanish-speaking listeners, Lourdes has a few words of welcome for you. Vengan, vengan y vean el gran tesoro que tenemos aquí en la Catequesis de Buen Pastor, un lugar muy especial donde Dios verdaderamente se manifiesta de una manera tan poderosa que te hace sentir muy bienvenido. Ese es el método de Dios, de seguir al niño en este gran misterio. Y para aquellos que necesitan información en español sobre cursos, se pueden comunicar a la Oficina Nacional de la Catequesis de Buen Pastor. En inglés es CGS USA. Pueden buscar el, uh, el enlace y ya entrar en esa aventura. Dios les bendiga. Lourdes, welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Lourdes, would you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got involved with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd? Well, my name is Lourdes Vasquez or Santiago. I am from Puerto Rico. And in 1996, I came to a course formation in uh, Gilbert, Arizona, and that's where my adventure began. Um, I didn't want to come to this country, and but I pray that my husband would get a job here in the States, but I didn't want to come. So <laughs> anyways, uh, the Blessed Mother was the one. She's the one to blame in a good way. <laughs> so I'm here because of that. I work for a parish in Gilbert, Arizona, St. Anne's, and uh, I coordinate the program in Spanish, CGS in Spanish, which we call CBP, Catequesis del Buen Pastor. Mm -hmm. And I've been there for, for a long time, well, about 20 years. It's been a good work. That is a long time. That's 20 years of service. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. So you have two coordinators at your parish, one for English and one for Spanish. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. 
you must serve many children at your parish in that program. Yes, yes, we do. We do. We always serve whoever comes to our doors. We are ready and we have a good place. Very beautiful place, bilingual place. Well, I would love to speak to you about your work in not only bilingual atria, but also just children of any language. I know that here in America and for our our listeners that are from America, Spanish is probably the most predominant language alongside English that we would be serving. But we all know that there are numerous languages and we have people listening from all over the world. So what you call the child of any language. So I would really love to dive into this concept with you. And I think it's really beautiful that we will be speaking about this right now in this season of Pentecost. But I heard that you have a really beautiful story that you could share with us to open us up in this conversation. Yeah, this is a story about a mom who came to our parish from Colombia. She uh, registered her child for the CGS and uh, she had to attend a workshop, a parent workshop. And she did. But at the end of the meeting, she approached the coordinator and said to her that she needed all the information and all the materials in Spanish. And the coordinator didn't speak English. So she referred her to me. So I called her. And instead of giving her all the information in Spanish, and all the paperwork in Spanish, I say, come and see, come and see. So she came in and saw the place, a beautiful, fully bilingual place that we have, and she liked it, she liked it. And then the following week, she switched the child from English to Spanish. Mm. The child came into the first session and he was serene, he adjusted well. He was happy, and uh, at the end of the session, as they left, he said, the child said to the mother, she spoke to me just like you do. (laughs) So he was happy, and he remained there for the rest of the year. Why do you think that it was important for that child to be in an atrium where they were speaking the language that they speak at home? because of mother tongue I spoke to him using the mother tongue and that's how we connected Mm -hmm. that's how he felt happy in this place very welcome very welcome and that made the difference that Mm -hmm. makes a big difference yes well my family we used to live in Haiti. We lived in Haiti for about two years. And in Haiti, we speak Haitian Creole. And then, of course, English mm-hmm. is our mother tongue for my whole family. But while we were there, we were trying to learn to speak English and, I mean, speak Haitian Creole in order to serve the people that we were surrounded by. But that experience, one thing that that experience really gave me was one, it made me very much aware of the fact that my prayer language is my mother tongue. It is English. And so when I pray in my heart or um, when I pray, when I get the most out of community prayer, it is in my mother tongue. And it made me very 
empathetic and aware of other people of other languages around me, whether it be Haitian Creole or Spanish or whatever, that they have that same draw as well. That when we want to talk to God, we're using a different part of our brain, a different part of our heart that makes us connect with him in this specific way that we need our mother tongue in order to do rather than use a different part of our brain that we have to be thinking rather than feeling. So it totally makes sense to me that that child felt at home, felt at ease in a different way when he was encountering God in his own mother tongue. Yes. And it also gives this beautiful sense of, oh, I'm accepted. I belong here. Me and all of who I am the way I look, the way I speak, the, my family dynamics, all of that is accepted through the language, partially through just the language that we are choosing to use to, to communicate with the child about God. Well, Lourdes, what do you think that this means for us, specifically in America, but it, but it can be applied outside of America too, as our dynamics of our population have changed over time? Um, and how the, how we should respond to that? Well, I think it has to be about mother tongue because that is important. The mother tongue is important for identity, and like you said, it gives them a sense of belonging, and this sense of belonging helps them helps them to navigate in this melting pot here in the United States. So when these children speak mostly Spanish at home, it will help them be formed with strong roots. Mm-hmm. And, and Sofia Cavaliti, uh, she spoke about this. She said, and I quote, we want to belong to a family, to a country, to a culture. On this topic, we need to learn a lesson from nature. In nature, there are many trees, small, small ones, big ones. And in order, in order to be alive, they have to strictly observe a rule. The breadth of, his, of the foliage has to correspond to the size of the roots. If there's no balance between the foliage and the roots, the tree will fall down and die. So in the human being, the roots are our traditions, the foliage, the capacity of being open to wider and wider horizons. So only if we are firmly rooted in our tradition, we will be able to offer others our richness. And it's important that when we honor their language, whatever language there is, it helps them to feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about self, self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And what an important thing for in the church that that be where they receive that sense of belonging and that sense of self-confidence or building their self-esteem, that they find that in the church, they find that in their relationship with God. I believe that is one of those root things that all of us as humans are seeking is that feeling of belonging, that feeling of I am worthy. And if I find that in God, then that's where I'm going to 
that it will create a deeper connection between myself and that in which it gives it to me. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that is what the families that come from South America or any other part, they look for that. They look for a church that speaks their language mm -hmm. so they can feel welcome, mm -hmm. just as Jesus would welcome anyone, right? Mm -hmm. They want to make sure that's the first thing that they do. They find a church that they feel comfortable with so they can pray, sing, celebrate, all that together as a family. Yeah. Yeah, so if they recognize the language, if they recognize the music, if they recognize what um, they see or the celebrations or how things are celebrated, that makes them feel mm -hmm. more welcome, more comfortable, more like they belong. I, and again, like my experience in Haiti, if my purpose of being in Haiti had been different, like, like our purpose was to go and be with the Haitian people that we were living with. So if we went and went to church with them, we went and spoke their language. But if my purpose had been different, like if I had go, gone to Haiti to go to live in Haiti, I would have sought out a church that made me feel like I was home again. I would have wanted to go to an English speaking church that yeah. was familiar to me, that um, reminded me of home, that reminded me of my roots, that made me feel like I belonged. So that totally makes sense that that is what we are seeking. And not just in language, but in what we see, in the images that we see, in um, the celebrations that are celebrated, and how we are welcomed in the community. All of that has an effect on how comfortable somebody can be. Yes, and and they truly see the church as a mother. Mm. That's what they look for, their mm. mother. Well, Lord, it's... What other reasons do you think that a Hispanic family or another minority family might mm -hmm. choose a Spanish atria or a non-English speaking atria for their children? Well, there are several reasons why they come to the Spanish atrium. I have heard from parents that they come because they want to maintain their culture. Mm. Mm -hmm. They feel more comfortable at home having sessions in Spanish because they also feel connected. And that's important for them. Mm -hmm. Families that have lived here for many years that they bring their children, even though they speak Spanish, perfect Spanish or perfect English, Sometimes it's part of the culture to think that religious education needs to be in the mother tongue. They also come because of the prayer language at home. If it's in Spanish, the children um, don't read Spanish, but they feel comfortable in, um, in this place that they can pray, sing, celebrate the main feast. It's the fact that they're welcome. When you're welcome, um, that means that people value the language. If they value, they respect the language. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you value and you respect your own self, mm -hmm. the person itself. 
that's it that that's important for religiosity mm-hmm. yeah if we claim that we are all one body of christ we need to make sure that we are making sure every body of christ feels respected in whatever capacity that is yeah and i was i feel like one of those self checks could be in what language do you naturally pray and that might be the language in which would be the best atria for you because again like you'd have to use a different part of your brain to encounter god if you're having to use your non mother tongue in order to encounter the parables encounter prayer encounter the the signs and symbols in which we in which we do in the atria and in the church i had a, a parent one time we had a spanish atria and i had a parent ask me if their english speaking child could go into the spanish atria because they were learning spanish and they wanted to help foster that and i remember having a discussion with the parent and asking them well is your child is your child's natural language to pray english or spanish um, and they said english i said well then that's probably the best atria for them because um, the Spanish atrium is not for us to learn Spanish. The Spanish atrium mm-hmm. is for us to encounter God, just like the English atrium is for us to encounter God. So it's interesting that that dynamic as well. But another thing, Lord, is that I've heard you speak about is that another reason is to foster the parents as the primary catechist. And is that if the parents language, the primary language or their mother tongue is Spanish or whatever language, Mm-hmm. And we as catechists or we as a program in Catechistic Good Shepherd, if our job is to foster that or to help them as the first catechist for the children, it would make sense for us to use the same language that the primary catechist is using, the parent. Yes. And I'm thinking that if somebody speaks to you and that person says something to you in Chinese, mm-hmm. You don't understand Mm -hmm. if you don't know Chinese, but if you know, if they speak to you in your language, that will go to your heart. Mm -hmm. That will make a difference. And the parents, uh, uh, we know that they are the the main catechists, but they themselves want to learn more about God. When they Mm -hmm. come, even though they don't have a very active uh, religious life at home, uh, they bring the children because Mm -hmm. they want something. And I always say that um, it's a thirst for God. They're they're searching for God. Sometimes they know it, sometimes they don't know it. But they're looking for help, and and they come to us. Mm -hmm. They come to us for that. I think we all have many experiences that we've had where children have come to the atria, but over the years that they are there, we've seen whole families encounter God through this method or through the word or through what the children encountered in the atrium and then what they brought home. So this beautiful way of encountering the parents as well as the children. Well, Lord, I know that ministering to children of all languages and families of all languages also has many challenges that come along with it. Could you speak into how we, both parents, grandparents, catechists, formation leaders, anybody who's involved with children in their life, how we can help children of any language? 
Well, I think it was John Paul II who said that we need to know more about um, this child, the child that I call many with many languages. We need to know more about experts on humanity. That's what he said. Well, one thing that Sophia said, and I always remember this, no matter what challenges come to us, is that we need to follow the child. Mm. And Jesus, that's why Jesus says, let them come, let them come, welcome them. So whatever language there is, the familiar language, we need to, uh, we need, we need to honor that. Mm-hmm. In Arizona, we have had many, many challenges. I'll tell you two two examples. Mm-hmm. Some years ago, uh, we had eighteen hundred children in our community who either spoke English or in Spanish or were bilingual. Mm-hmm. That's when Arizona implemented the law ten seventy. That's the immigration law. For those who don't know the law, that requires that law enforcement officials check on the immigration status of, of a person that looks suspicious. So those who were undocumented, we're talking about undocumented, so many of these people were deported. It was, it was very sad to see so many families flee the country because of that. Our numbers uh, went down. But during those trial times, we had a, a workshop with parents in preparation for sacraments. Mm-hmm. And um, we were looking at the maxims these moral exhortations that Jesus gives us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one of the maxims say, uh, forgive not seven times, but 70 times seven. And the parents immediately, almost all of them got upset uh, to the point that they were demanding the church. What is the church doing? Mm Mm-hmm. Somebody said, we don't see that the church is doing anything Mm -hmm. to help them. So there was a silence in the room. When that happens, what I do is I read the maxim again and give them some minutes to think about that because that's the word of God that penetrates all kinds of hearts. Mm. In that moment, we are a prophet. We announce something directly from the Bible. So sooner or later, this will help them understand that we're here for them. We're here to support them and to announce the truth. So I hear that when we are ministering to people of all different languages, we are simultaneously ministering to people of different cultures with different backgrounds, but with different pains because of it. And so we have to be ready to encounter those as well. I think that it's really beautiful that um, your response to the pain that was in the room was 
the scripture, just go right back to God's word because that's the only thing like, like the children have showed us over and over again, it's the, what's most essential. And that's what can penetrate hearts is, is God's word himself. And I have to say that all this situation also affects the children. Yeah. Another, yeah. another short story is that one day, um, we were presenting the maxim, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. So when I read that, I saw that they, they were puzzled. Their faces were surprised. And then two children responded. They said, no, there's no way. We cannot love our enemies. So I, I wait to see other, uh, other reactions. Mm-hmm. And then one of the children said, yes, we can. We can because they're children of God. So that was the end of the discussion. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I, again, I love that you just, you waited for that. You just waited for the Holy Spirit to work in that moment. That's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Lord, is on a practical level, what are some things that we can do to make sure that we are serving children of any language and any culture? So what, like you said that you have an atria that has two languages in the one atrium? Yes. So what does that look like? How can we make sure that we are serving children of any language that is before us? Okay, well, the main principle is, is it's a Montessori principle, is to have a prepared environment. Mm-hmm. If you are receiving people, uh, children from China, you should have at least, you know, a Bible in Chinese, a few words or material, whatever. But for the Spanish, because that's the main population that we receive, besides the English, of course, it's fully bilingual. Mm-hmm. We have all the three levels have materials in English and in Spanish. So we follow the child if if they prefer to speak in English, that's fine with us, mm-hmm. uh, or in Spanish, that's fine with us, or read, sometimes they read, sometimes they speak the language, but mm-hmm. they don't know how to read it, so it's difficult for them, so we try to help them whatever way, and they'll, they'll guide us, the children mm-hmm. will guide us on what they need. And besides, we have the best teacher, which is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he will he will help us to help them mm-hmm. feel good, feel good about themselves. And, you know, if you were to ask what is the main purpose, purpose of the atrium, I would say uh, to fall in love with God, mm-hmm. you know, with love and education preparation, we can do that. Yes. Yeah. Amen. 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 I think something that we can all try and be aware of is the population in our whole parish. If the population in our whole parish is not only English speaking, then mm-hmm. to strive to make our atria reflect the whole parish, it kind of makes me think of that Eucharistic presence, how we make our figures represent our whole parish. Because... If I am a Spanish-speaking mom 
or a Polish speaking mom or whatever. And I see that everything in the atria or everything in the paperwork is English. I'm not going to feel comfortable. I might not even come and sign my child up. So you might not even know Mm -hmm. that I have this child that I might potentially be interested in for you to adapt your materials to because here on the front lines, it's only English and that makes me uncomfortable. So to be aware of the population of our whole parish and to try and figure out how our population of our atria, is it reflecting that? And if it's not, what can we do to make everybody feel more comfortable that maybe they would want to bring their children to our atria? Our atria will then reflect what our parish population is. One important element of of these, just to avoid that kind of situation where they don't feel welcome because they don't Mm -hmm. see the language, is at the time of registration, that's one question to ask which language you are familiar with or the children are familiar with or, you know, what language they speak. And then work from there because one main thing is to know the parents and know the child before he comes in. Mm -hmm. I think another natural flow that would happen is if you have more Spanish-speaking catechists I think you Mm -hmm. will naturally get more Spanish-speaking children. And, of course, that is applied to any language, not just Spanish. So in order to have Spanish-speaking catechists, you might need to have Spanish-speaking formation in order to form Spanish-speaking catechists. Maybe there are people who would be very interested in participating in formation, but they only speak Spanish or only speak Polish or whatever. And so we need to be able to adapt our formation in order to Um, serve that population as well. And that will make a difference, big difference, Mm -hmm. because the information that they receive will form them. Mm -hmm. And eventually, that will transform them in good, dedicated catechists to -hmm. serve God and the children. Mm -hmm. So that will be you know, a big difference. That would make a big difference. And I think just like what you were saying before about how the parents and how they, the primary language in which they pray at home and being the primary catechist for their kids went. And I think all of us who have been through formation can attest to the fact that going through formation did not just make me a catechist. It made me a a better primary catechist for my own children Mm -hmm. or for the children in my life. And so when we are forming people of any language, forming the adults of any language, then we are forming the primary catechists of any language as well. And so it's, it, it forms the prayer life in the home as well. Yeah. There's a connection between the language used and what's spoken at home. Mm -hmm. Anything. Anything that we do in the atrium cannot stay in the atrium. Mm. It has to go home so Mm. it can be lived at home and eventually in the greater, um, the church Mm -hmm. and then society. Mm -hmm. It truly, formation in in their language makes a difference. It really does. Mm -hmm. Both for adults and children, yeah. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I think this brings us back full circle to this beautiful season of Pentecost that we are in for these. We had these apostles who um, were being formed by Jesus, kind of like in our atrium, but that Jesus did not want them to just stay there. He wanted them to go out. And we see in this beautiful, these verses that we, we always read every year with the, with the children. Let's see, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, about how when the Holy Spirit came upon them, then they were able to speak in all these different languages. And I think that that is a beautiful example that God is giving us that he didn't want his apostles to just go and serve the people of their primary language. He wanted them to go and serve and speak about Jesus to the child of any language. Amen. That's very powerful. It is very powerful. And he chose, he chose that, that way to communicate this mystery because it's a mystery. It's a light that penetrates mysteries. This, kindness is love of God. It truly brings great joy. Well, Lord, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom about the child of any language with us. I really appreciate your humble heart and your humble service these past 20 years, and then now coming on the podcast and sharing it with us. Thank you and thank God for this mission, our mission that we share together. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. In 2016, CGS USA held a servant song retreat regarding the child of many languages. And during this retreat, we looked at how the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit could help us welcome and serve these children, their families, and our communities. We invite all of our listeners to join us for a Zoom version of this retreat that will be held on July 23rd and 24th. The event will be translated into Spanish and English. And you can find more about this retreat on our website, and I will also put a link in our show notes for you. We invite everybody to help us spread the word about this Zoom event We would love to have as many people as possible join us for this unique experience. This summer, we will be again doing a summer book study of the first few chapters of Life and the Vine, The Joyful Journey Continues by Rebecca Reutsevich. You can go back to episode 26 and hear Rebecca speak about this book. And so we are just going to be doing the first few chapters, but our goal is to hit all the chapters on the podcast at some point. They just won't be done simultaneously. You could go back to episode 33 and listen to Rebecca speak about chapter seven, which is on moral life in the kingdom of God. So get a group of friends together. Y'all can purchase the book in bulk and then get just one flat rate shipping and read the chapters together. We'll have some discussion questions for you and dive into this beautiful new gift that we have. I will put a link to how to purchase this book again in our show notes. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We would like to thank all the contributing members because you are making this podcast possible. If you would like to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening. We will see you in two weeks. 
Go and fall more deeply in love with God.